Welcome to our space where talking about the inspiring things with inspiring people is what inspires us. Waiting for you here are the infinite possibilities that creation, collaboration and connection have to offer. A universe where we see everything through roasting the spectacles that help us to keep our faith in the power of imagination alive and well. Let's talk. Welcome everyone to this episode of Metralla Rosa. Today we have a very special guest, Carl Rangel. He is a British figurative painter whose work shows people, real people and real places interconnected, mainly the modern Japan and the city of London. Graduated from Slade Fine Arts uh, School, Royal Drawing School of London and Tokyo University of the Arts in Japan. He has also received along the years, over the years, many important prizes. I would like to mention the prestigious BP Travel, BP Travel Award that is a, a prize from the National Portrait Gallery. His large canvases shows you, as I said before, real people in the real environments. But one thing that you are going to notice immediately is that subjects and backgrounds have exactly the same importance, not only because of the protagonism they have in the canvas, but also because of the level of detail they show. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's really an honor and a pleasure. And I would like to start this interview reminding you a session a few years ago. I had a session in Art Academy with a painter that I didn't know and it turned out turn up to be turn on, turn up to be Chin you. Yeah. Turn out to yeah. be you. <laughs> I was quite nervous. I went there with a suitcase full of different dresses and shoes and uh, I remember to have to do many different poses in mm. a table. It was mm. a, a room, a school room, yeah. classroom. Yeah. It was a classroom. And I did like I wear lion on a garden. I did a pose like holding some bags out of a shop, mm. doing, doing some shopping. And I also remember one uh, like playing pool. In a, in a oh, table. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, but, but it was a really interesting experience for me. Mm. And those photos, you were doing those photos for a painting <clears throat> uh, as a reference. Mm. Did you remember that session? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I remember that photography session where I was, I was taking photographs of, of you for um, three paintings, or three or four. One is um, a painting I did at Primrose Hill. Another one was a nightclub scene and another one of a supermarket. You're in all three, um, and yeah, they were reference photographs for those paintings. What yeah. was the idea of those three different painters? I, I think mainly women appear on them, yeah. Yeah. and I would like to know about the inspiration and the process also of producing those three paintings. Right. It's actually four, because I've just painted a fourth one um, of her hairdressers, so there's four paintings that you're in as well as other girls. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> uh, 
there's, I think there's two things there. What are they about and the process? Let me just talk about the process. So I actually usually work from life when I paint for portraits. Um, the person sits as you are there now. You, you sit there and then I, I usually paint the portrait in about three hours directly from life. But they, these were going to be full figure, complex figurative compositions. So I needed to take photographs. Um, usually people are fine with coming to the studio and sitting for me for three hours, but to do a full figure in full color, I probably have to have about eight sittings. And um, just for practical reasons, I was only using photographs for those paintings. Um, and then I just start with um, an idea in my head and um, I just keep manipulating the image until it, it looks like how I want to look like. That's very a kind of reductive way of putting it, but. I love that. I love that because it shows quite, um, obviously you are inspired by people and real places and this sense of urban life, mm. but the fact that you manipulate the details, like for example, there's a, there's a portrait you did and there's a lovely video in your, in your webpage mm. of a singer. And then right. she was, she was wearing something very simple and yeah. you transform that into something more elaborated. I yeah. love that freedom from a, painter point of view right. because it shows it shows some sort of desire your desire how I want to see this rather than right. how it, it really is yeah. and at the end of the day we all want to see that in a painter right. the, the, the mind the inner world of the painter right right, right. so in that case for mm. example with this singer was she mm. happy with the, the transformation with the clothes you put on her yeah I think you're talking about the portrait I did recently of a yes, singer yes, called yes. Tanita Takaram. Exactly. Thank was, you for yeah, I know it's okay. the name. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, um, I think she was happy with it. Yeah, she said she was happy with it and I emailed it to her and she shared it on her social media pages. So yeah, I'm assuming she's happy with it. And um, I am. I, I think that's, that's one of my, my most recent portraits and I feel like it's you know, I'm I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a pure portrait painter in the same way other painters are. You know, there's a head of someone and then a neutral background, mm -hmm. which is fine. It's just not my thing. So what I try to do is combine, as you very rightly said in your in your introduction, I try to combine people and places. And the, the portrait of Tanita Takaram, in a way, you know, the the head is the is almost the, the least interesting thing about the whole picture mm -hmm. and um, it kind of it's in grain it kind of recedes into the picture and patterns the pattern of the clothing and the patterns of the street behind they kind of come forward and slightly dominate the face so it's a it's a portrait of someone but but it's also about kind of manipulating reality and flattening patterns and a combination of figuration and and realism with a, a slight abstraction of reality and kind of reducing things into patterns. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it makes definitely more interesting the whole picture. So you see you, your eyes have lots of things. It's like you allow the viewer to do this journey that is a never-ending journey because mm. the more details a painter painting have, the more things you can engage with. Right. For example, yeah. I would like to ask you, because I don't know, is it there any art movement that um, it's related <clears throat> with your particular style in the way or in, um, in the sense that background 
and people subjects have exactly the same importance or the right. level of protagonism. Right, right. Yeah, it's a good observation there. Thanks. Um, art movement, not a particular art movement. Um, I think just it's quite a large question that I think just throughout throughout art history there are examples of narrative paintings where people and places are, are combined. If you go right back to the medieval painting, there, there are pa paintings showing mm -hmm. people and places and right up to contemporary art. So I'm, yeah, I'm a figurative painter um, that's interested in, 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 a, in narrative painting and combining everyday scenes of life with, with people. So there's no particular one art movement, but you know, I think every period of art I'm interested in, in a, in a specific way, really. Many, many of your paintings, if uh, reminds me, you know, those big, big, uh, probably from medieval times, canvases that you can see in, all, <clears throat> in museums uh, that shows, like Tiziano, for example, yeah. that are mythological scenes, and then you see so many details and little, you can spend the whole day trying to see everything, yeah. and you still could. So I guess yeah. it's a it's a lot of hours. It requires yeah. a lot of dedication, a lot of hours because yeah. of all those details. Yeah. Is it for you very meditative? Because I, I also see that when you do um, points uh, to create patterns, as yeah. you were saying before, it looks yeah. like it could be something I could be doing for a lot, lot of time and yeah. being very pleasant. Is yeah. it pleasant for you, the whole process? Yeah, mostly, yeah. There is a sort of meditative quality to painting, I think. Um, and, you know, some people do yoga or meditate. And I think painting, for me, it, it does have a call, that kind of quality. Not all the time. It, it can be stressful, like anything, really. You know, if you've got a deadline coming up mm. or the picture's not working for you. But, yeah, it does have a kind of calming meditative effect. And if I stop painting, for example, if, if for some reason I've stopped painting for a couple of weeks, I do miss it. And I think it is my own form of kind of like, you know, connecting with something in, in quite a kind of peaceful way. You know, and I think the, my 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 lifestyle is like that. I think I'm. I think I make a very good monk. You know, I'm I'm quite sort of. I get up in the morning, I paint. I just kind of. That's my that's my kind of lifestyle, really. Um, Are you comfortable in silence? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, not too much. I don't. Gen I generally don't listen to music when I when I paint. Mm, Although I do listen to a lot of. Yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts and people speaking. Actually, I, I prefer the human voice when I'm painting. But music, I feel like it has too much of a kind of emotive quality and it kind of puts me in an emotional state. Oh my God, you and me are quite the same. The same, all right. I feel the same. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> what you feel like, do you enjoy listening to music? Or? Yes, but sometimes affects too much my yeah. emotional state. Yeah. So I prefer engage with words because it keeps me interested. It yeah. keeps me thinking, which is which is better for me. Yeah. I don't get emotional thinking, even, yeah. if, even if I can feel very inspired. But with music, I, I get lost in states that sometimes doesn't allow me to do the things I need to do. Yeah. To be productive. Let's exactly. Say. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I, I think I, I prefer to be connected on a kind of a more human or kind of um, intellectual process. In, yeah, yeah. 
like yeah. prefer to be connected on a, on an intellectual level rather than an emotional level when I'm painting. Because as you just said, I think I think either heightening your emotion or bringing it down. Um, or too up. <laughs> yeah, too up or too down. I don't think it's helpful. I, I prefer to be a bit more steady when I'm just generally in my life and, and painting. So, um, yeah. It, good talking about that intellectual engagement, it's um, it's quite obvious that you like education mm. because you have a very large curriculum in that regard. Yeah. And not many painters, many of them, uh, by because of my own experience, I can say that some of them, they prefer just the error and learning by mistake or creating art or the mm. process of being doing it every mm. day. Is it for you the academic um, part of learning art important? Would you recommend to young artists to go through it? How did it affect your own process? Well, yeah, you're right. I've sp I spent about 12 years being an art student. It's quite a long time, yes. you know, by anyone's standards, really. Yes. But it just, it just allowed me to develop my work over a long period of time. And 12 years, I, I find kind of trying to find your own voice mm -hmm. with painting, or maybe anything creative, whether you're a writer or a musician, or a dancer or whatever you're it's quite a long game it's quite a it takes years to build up your own thing um, and those 12 years of being art school just allowed me to um, keep working and develop my my work without the pressures of the of the real world you know and I I was quite lucky to be funded and get scholarships throughout those 12 years so I think one of the biggest struggles many artists have is just finding the time and space and, and money to keep working and I was lucky to keep, you know, being funded to do so over those 12 years. And then that allowed me to get to such a level with my work um, that it, I, I managed to sell it all and now I'm making a living out of it. So without that opportunity of being an art student for 12 years, perhaps it wouldn't have... Um, well, I think I wouldn't have had the time to develop my own style, really. That has now led on to you know, becoming like a, a painter as uh, a profession. You have a trademark style, you have a style, and that's always a thing that all artists need and yeah. want. Yeah. And somehow for many, it's easier to get there or, the, or, or slower, but obviously having a long academic career, yeah. opportunity to, as you said, develop yeah. It makes you feel probably more secure and comfortable. Or is is even the gift of having the opportunity to explore is already good. Yeah, it's already good. Yeah, and uh, yeah. because of that, um, trying to understand a little bit your pattern through the arts or your journey through the arts, I saw that at the some of your early works beautiful works and um, most of them were only buildings yeah. without people yeah so i i would like to ask you was it people first or was it or places come first for you when in your imagination in your in your frame of mind in your visions what comes first you people? mean now or then then and now right yeah good question yeah. um <laughs> Well, let's talk about then. Okay, um, let's talk about it. You're talking about the work I made at the Slade mm -hmm. when I was like 20, 21 years yes, old. Yes, I love um, it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, well, I had two strands going on then. One is the kind of work you make for the degree course that you show to your professors, 
and um, that was the buildings thing of, of kind of paintings of buildings and streets of London at night. I was a big fan of Edward Hopper, you know, mm -hmm. the American painter. Mm -hmm. And then I had another strand to my work where I was just drawing friends, like socializing with them and like this. Just They're sitting. more or less catchy. Yeah, just as almost almost like a sideline thing. Mm. Um, and I didn't really feel like that was my, my work at the time. My work was these large paintings made for the degree course, quite ambitious. Um, and then when I graduated, I had, a, as I think a lot of artists and art students have, when I had a sort of slight crisis when I graduated about what kind of work do I, I want to make. And I thought about it and I, I felt like at that stage I was really interested in, in more in people than buildings. So I started just continuing drawing people, sitting with them, just starting quite small, really small sketches. And um, that then led me on to much later combining the portraits with, and then going back to places, combining people and places, which I think what it's what I was always interested in. I just, you know, when you're a lot younger, either through lack of experience or you don't think you can do it or... Um, mm, maybe that. Yeah. Maybe well, you didn't thought you could do it. Yeah, something like that. Mm. I was, if you've never done something before, it, it seems quite hard. But once I just started doing it, combining people and places, of course, it's 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 not like it's anything hard and anything else really. You just kind of so it's just building. I think you just build up your confidence through years. The same with anything really. Um, to go back way before that, when I was like a kid, when I was a teenager. I, yes, please. Yeah, I wanted to be like a cartoonist or kind of work for Disney. I was gonna. Hey, yeah. Your work is like a no graphic novel. Right. It seems right. out from a graphic novel. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Well, I take That's that. That was one of the questions. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good observation. That, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of true. Back then, I did either want to be a comic book artist, or I loved graphic novels. I used to go out and buy them and collect them. So at that stage, if you had asked me when I was 14, I would have said, yeah, I want to be a cartoonist or a graphic novelist. So it's a good observation that. And then um, when I started to get into the education system, especially at A-levels, I was introduced to fine art, painters, and just kind of my interest in illustration and graphic novels are still there, but kind of pushed it more into the fine art direction. And then it just went on a trajectory of, of, of oil painting then, because it seemed the most appropriate thing for uh, what I was interested in. I, are you a faster painter? Or you are slow? <clears throat> How is your process? Do you prefer to work at night or during the day? How is your mood when you are painting, no, uh, yeah. apart from what you listen to? In general, tell me about the process in your studio. Tell me right. about how do you build your your work. Well, it's a good question. It's quite a it's quite a difficult thing to answer because no pic no one picture is the same really. Mm. You know, so I don't have there's no such thing as a formula to make a painting. And I think if you come up with formulas as to how to make a painting, I think it's a little bit dangerous. They can, you can start to repeat yourself a lot. So every painting is different. But generally, you you mentioned there like do you prefer a night or day? I prefer getting up quite early and and working through through daylight really. When I was a teenager, perhaps like a lot of teenagers, I used to work at night and get up really late and stay up till like four in the morning. Just now I find it a lot healthier to get up early and stick to stick to something that actually resembles what would be be a kind of nine to five, really. Um, so um, in terms of process, I um, it's a very difficult question to answer that, Carla. It's a very interesting one, but 
Do you have a painting in mind where you'd like me to talk about that specific painting rather yes, than like those things ones in general? Yes, with a lot of red that you did in Japan. I love those ones. The ones they with remind red. me right. red, red yeah. and um, black yeah. lots, yeah. mainly. I think mm. there, there's also some grey or other colours, but mm. they remind me um, a movie that is called In the Mood for Love, yeah. which is, I don't know if Taiwanese is the director, is Taiwanese or Chinese? I think um, it's Chinese in the movie. Yeah, yeah, but it's one of my favourite mo movies. Right. I love the soundtrack. A lot. Yeah. It, it's a beautiful, poetic, very slow narrated story. Yeah. And there's a lot of red in right. the lighting in general. Yeah. And I, I don't know why I relate those paintings of you with that movie. Those you're talking yes. about those specific three paintings, right? It's a triptych, three yes. paintings. Yes. Yeah, those, For yeah. example, those ones. How was the process? Um, that we're going back quite a while now. That's kind of over 10 years ago, but um, those paintings, I was living in Japan at the time, that's probably a, a, another conversation there. Um, I I mean, I, I used to just walk around Tokyo a lot and, and hang out with friends in Tokyo and, and, and meet people and there's, I mean, Tokyo is such a kind of, it's such a layered city really in terms of all the, the different places within the city and the different cultures within the city. And those three paintings you're talking about, a triptych, red and black, was based on the red light district in Tokyo. And my university that I studied at was very close to one of the red light districts. Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. You know, it's not what you think. I didn't, it's not like I visited the red light districts. So. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's good for a painter, isn't it? Very stimulating. Yeah. Very... very... Yeah. Mis mysterious. I don't know. Even more if you are not from the city. Yeah, it's. Um, I just think Tokyo is a really exciting visual place, and it exactly. And it has. That's exactly what I think. Yeah, yeah, and it has. I haven't been there, but you have, and you were living there for ten years. Yeah, as yeah. you said, that's an interesting conversation. But yes, yes, finish with the process, please. I, I'm just, I'm just. Uh, excited about Tokyo. Well, I think we can we can talk about the process and Tokyo and, Tokyo. and the Tokyo exactly. at the same time because yeah. they relate. So, with the painting you you're talking about, um, it was just inspired by like because it's all my paintings are usually inspired by the thing I'm surrounded with. So now I'm now I'm surrounded by London, so I'm painting pictures of London. Mm. Then I was living in Tokyo for ten years, so I was so I always respond to things that are around me. Really, I, I don't think I could ever paint something that I've, I've you know, somewhere I've never visited or, or it's really far away. I need to be kind of immersed in it. So all my Japan paintings really come from um, being kind of surrounded and immersed in in Japanese culture for for ten years, um, and it's just a process of osmosis each day. Really, you kind of it kind of filters your its way into you. And then you just start coming up with ideas. So that one was about the red light district, really sort of specific kind of places in Tokyo that have a kind of, you know, the red and black suited it because the kind of mood of the place. And um, it's, it's also a, kind of classic, the combination of colors. It's, yeah. It, in, for comics, yeah. for visual. But you like red and black, don't yes. you, right? <laughs> I just, well, um, I love uh, red in general, but it's, it's a color that with time I every time feel more and more comfortable with. Right. I think when I was younger, I mm. maybe wasn't feeling it, it's just a very 
strong. Mm. It's like a statement color, right? Mm. Mm. And you choose those colors in the, the in those paintings for obvious reasons. Yeah. Although, you know, I, I've also done a lot of paintings in black and white and, and grey. Um, and the reason for that is, there's lots of reasons, but I quite like the, the atmosphere created when you, when you make something in black and white mm -hmm. and grey. And I think, you know, the red painting you're talking about, it, the red is, is a very dominant visual theme. But if you get rid of all colour in a painting, you're just focused on the, on the composition and the three-dimensional form. Mm -hmm. And... Um, if if I don't have a, a really good reason to use colour in a painting, I'd, I'd prefer not to. I'd prefer to use black and white. Um, so the black and white paintings of, of Japan, I've done some of London also, there's a kind of certain feeling of, of silence or, or, or solitude to them, which is kind of in contradiction to the, to the places I'm trying to show, very busy, noisy, urban streets. And then if you reduce those right down to greys, it kind of gives this quite sort of silent, static um, feeling, which yes. and I, I kind of enjoy that kind of contrast between the two. And also, if you make something in black and white, it kind of removes it from reality because we don't see in black and white, we see in colour. So I quite like removing things from reality a little bit by either changing the colour or flattening the space or distorting scale, things like that, really. Yes, I love the distorting scale and would like to ask you, I have seen some of your, in, in, in your website, you have some videos where, for example, in Japan, where you appear in a bar or somewhere, street food, a street food place, mm. and you are doing some sketches, and then you can see how those sketches become a very detailed, yeah. complex painting, huge in scale mm. compared with the original sketches. Yeah. So is that part of your process normally? Was it part of your process then, back then? Yeah. Um, well, that's that noodle bar painting. It's called Miss, Mr. Kitazawa's yes. noodle bar. Um, that was... Um, that was I used to visit a lot of ra they're called ramen bars, the mm -hmm. kind of noodle bars. And I used to go to them. I used to eat out all the time in Tokyo. I, I guess you miss it. Yeah, I really miss it. <laughs> the, the food's incredible there. I, I yeah. can't imagine. Yeah. Mm. You'd love it. You should go to Japan. I will. You'd I really will love it. one day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's an exciting place. So I used to eat out a lot. And again, what I said earlier about being immersed in something every day. Yeah. You, you then, if you're a visual person, you can't, you then can't help but respond to that. You yes. know, I think that's where the kind of impulse, the creative impulse comes from. If, if you're a photographer or a painter or a writer or a musician, you, sooner or later, you're going to get an impulse to respond to respond to, to things. So if I'm visiting kind of noodle bars all the time every day and eating there, at some point, I'm going to want to want to respond to, to that. And that painting was in response to just eating at those places a lot. And there's one specific place I used to go to in a place called Shibuya in, in central Tokyo. And that, that noodle bar was inspired from that. The final painting is kind of partially based on that on that specific place, but I've changed a lot. And I do that a lot in my paintings. I kind of change things around to suit the composition. So they're never 100% accurate when you change the things or when you find the detail, because I can see a lot of details in the painting, like the faces, very detailed. Yeah. Um, do you do that from imagination or you also work with photos or do you try to remember very well how people used to look? 
Are you talking about the faces or the background? Or? The, the faces. Well, the faces because are... it's, it's difficult to get details of faces when you... Not really. Work, no? No. Well, I, I always work from life. So what I do is I come up with a design for that noodle bar painting um, through a, a combination of sketches outdoors and the real world, coming back, taking some photographs, combining references from photographs, from sketches, yeah. kind of... So it's a very collage kind yeah, of process. Yeah, collage is a good word. Like collage, um, either literal or, or kind of metaphorical. Yeah, metaphorically speaking, it's like a collage of... of yeah, different, different places, different people. Yeah. And pro the processing itself yeah. is like a collage. Exactly, yeah. yeah exactly. I love that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it, it, it's it so... It sounds like fun. It it's is fun. It's really fun. It yeah. is fun. <laughs> yeah. I've never really done one painting yet that is exactly the same as the place. So it's always been changed in some way to suit the composition, really, because you're, make, you're making an artificial composition, really, and it, it needs to work as a design. Um, I think that's more important than having a, a really accurate representation of exactly how a street, a certain street or area looks. Um, so the, to go back to the noodle bar painting, I came up with the designs. When I was finished with the design, happy. I look at also if you have that painting, it has a slightly kind of um, a very slightly, not deliberate at all, but almost like a Last Supper kind of feel to it. You know, with people around the table. Yes. I look at. I look a lot at. Um, kind of classical paintings and you know a lot of renaissance paintings etc somehow they, they yeah they feed i mean i'm not mm -hmm. religious but it fed it 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 sometimes feeds its way into my work so you know renaissance paintings a lot of painting pre pre photography really was it was either based on um religion or mythological subjects so just looking at those images a lot it kind of seeps its way into my work so um anyway I came up with the design, then I sketched the design onto the canvas, like a large canvas, just in line. Then I'd get models into the studio. So if you were modelling for me, you'd sit there, I'd paint your face straight onto the canvas. Um, all the faces are from life, you know, about three hours per head. And then the rest of it, I would kind of either make up or use photographs and copy onto. And then it would just be kind of this patching patchwork thing and also like you know if I was painting you and I, I asked you to come to my studio paint your head if you didn't have time to come to sit for me again I'd get someone else I know to, to model for your arms for example so sometimes the kind of Frankenstein quality to the people where they're composed of three different people their hands arms and face but when you see the final thing you can't really tell it looks like a and that's good because at the end you are not limitating yourself to okay i don't have the model how can i do now i yeah. have seen so many artists getting annoyed by the fact that they can see the feet very well and i'm mm. like but just imagine what what's happening there or yeah no, I, maybe because i don't paint it's easy to say but i guess also you need to push sometimes your, yeah. your limits okay i can't see the feet but i i need to come out with yeah. a solution yeah. because anyway i see every everything yeah. else so it, are you talking about your experiences when it, you model because you when, model when for you model and sometimes classes. you feel like people feel really frustrated because right. they can't see a particular yeah. um, something yeah and in my head because of the way i think mm. i'm always thinking when yeah. people come complains what's the problem of not seeing a little part when yeah. you're seeing most of it yeah you can always complete yeah the imagination yeah. or resources of any kind yeah whatever but well i think that sorry i think the thing i think that the, the, those painters you're talking about are probably purely observational painters you mm -hmm. know that's what's in front of you and i'm going to paint this in in 
whatever way I want to. And that's, that's not your... That's not me. No, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I, I rarely do that. I haven't done that for a long, long time, really. I think lots of people start off like that. But I'm not that interested in just documenting exactly what look, something looks in front of me. Yeah. So if I was to do a portrait of you, I'd... Um, I'd... I love that of your style of your what you because I feel like it's a you are it's a you are there there there's a statement there's a proposal can I say that right. like there there is a style because I'm putting a lot of what I think it should be or what I th- it, it mm. inspires me or a lot of Mm. take it things i take from here from yeah. there to build something yeah they're, they're really they're really artificially constructed my images even if it looks very real i mean i did one of piccadilly circus in london i did one of the thames bridge area yes. in london um, those ones let's talk about those ones. Primrose Hill. but, but yeah. first i would like to finish with the chapter japan right. chapter yeah um what was interesting not only about living in japan but learning art in Japan. Do you think you have came across things that you couldn't have experienced in a country like UK? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I, I always, just when you said that, I always remember I, I, I was talking to someone, you know, I had been in Japan for like seven years by that point, and someone said to me, Oh, you're not concerned about being away from your peers in the UK and being away from the art scene, art scene in the UK. You're not concerned that you're losing touch with all that. Um, and I thought about it and I came to the conclusion, no, I wasn't concerned at all. I, and I, I remember someone else saying as well, he was a musician in Japan. He was saying, well, you know, the reason I left the UK is because I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to get sucked into the London art world I wanted to do something different and it was the same reason I went to Japan really I, I, I wanted to make work about a, a culture that's very different from my own and respond to that and Japan mm. seemed like the ticked all the boxes it was a really interesting culture very far away from the UK so you know the I ch- language is completely... yeah everything's different really yeah although there are certain behavioral similarities with with UK people and For Japanese example? people well, there's a certain level of politeness that I think is there There's a certain reserved, these are stereotypes, of course, but as a generalization, there's a certain sort of reserved quality, there's a certain politeness to it. There are massive differences as well. I think Japan considers the group more, you know, you, you consider your, your whatever group you belong to, whether it's a company or a university or a school, um, you kind of, you have more of a consideration for the group as a whole. I think here we're very much focused on ourselves, but these are massive generalizations. You, even though I think UK, it's, community oriented but right. also also you promote a lot individuality mm. as part of your culture mm. so it, sometimes it's a it's a part, part <clears throat> so sometimes it's contrasting and not always goes well yeah but those principles are present in the in the in the british culture yeah the, the, the need of community right and the need of individuality yeah yeah and i think japanese yeah. are Quite the same. Yeah, everyone. Also, they don't stare at people on the street. No, they don't. <laughs> You're very right. No, that's completely true. They don't. Because Caribbean do. Do they? No, yes, right. yes. It's actually, um, a women can get offended if you don't look at her, you know? Really? Yes, of course. <laughs> I don't want to be seen. Is that right? Okay. You need to go there next. It's true they don't stare in Japan. They They're, don't stare at people. It's, it's too... Um, 
again, it's, it's too, they're too polite, really. So, you know. It's... But are they more um, imaginative, imaginative when they approach the art? For example, I feel maybe it's a presumption, maybe it's an assumption that is not correct. But I feel right. like in South America, um, which is where well, you're from, right? I'm from Venezuela, yeah. from South yeah. America. The process of learning art is very intellectual, right? And also very imagination have a huge place right. in the learning right. the, pro the learning process yes right. yes people stand because the, the 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 conditions of life push push you all the time to the edge right. so people come with very crazy ideas most right. of the time right this is a point of view but mm. i ask myself Japanese process learning process mm. in an in a university of right, art. Right. Is it different from from what it could have been in UK? It's more playful, maybe. Um. Well, it's very difficult to answer that, but I think I think um, well the level I I went in, I went straight into a master's level because I did my degree in the UK and then I went straight into master's. In, uh, in Japan, then I did a doctorate. So I think at that level, um, you're kind of left to get on with it yourself a bit anyway. You're treated as kind of like a, a higher level. So you don't have that much tutor contact with people. Okay. You're kind of okay. given a space to work in, you get on with your work, and then you sometimes talk with your tutor. So there wasn't so much, there, there probably is not as much learning going on as perhaps one may think um, it's just really a space to work in and then there's tutors to speak to if you want to and also I think at that age you know I was kind of like in my like early 30s by that point I was I was like a mature student I kind of knew what I was doing by then I kind of knew what I wanted from my time at university um, whereas I think like a lot of very young students when you go into university at 19 year old you don't really mm. you don't quite know what you're doing i think i mean i, I it's just I, natural normal yeah thing. but when it, when you're a bit older i think you're a lot more focused so in response to that question i don't feel as though i can adequately say really because i was just very much me getting on with my own work but from what i saw of other japanese students in the university um i don't know i just think everyone's different i don't feel as though i can say any one statement about that i'm, okay. I'm afraid Okay, and then you came back to UK. Yeah. And uh, was it easy to adapt back, coming back from ten years is a long time. Yeah. A whole dec decade. Yeah. And uh, what personally you feel you had to work to reinsert yourself into the market into the life of london yeah was it easy was it difficult it was very difficult yeah it was really difficult you know how long have you been in the uk now for 12 years 12 years i'd like to say 12 but probably it's even more now right <laughs> i get stuck yeah. sometimes in numbers but i think if about you, if you left it would be hard for you right Yes, it would yeah? be. It would like be culturally, very hard. even if yes. you, you went back to Venezuela, it would be a culture shock for you. Right? I think at this point, um, I don't belong anywhere. Yeah, I, I'm used to be a, a stranger. Yeah, I, I, I'm used to be a kind of a foreign. Yeah, so I don't know if I wouldn't be. Yeah, uh, inside of my conscious, yeah. it's 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 how I see myself. Yeah, yeah. 
So if you went back to Venezuela, if you had to go back to Venezuela now, oh, you'd no, find that, it difficult, right? That would be very difficult, but yeah. especially because the conditions of right. the country okay. I left and the country yeah. I'm going to find right. are really different. Right. But also it would be difficult in any circumstance, of course, of course. Yeah. So you want to... Re <laughs> Now you are interviewing me. So this is your how many, answer. How many, how many interviews have you done, by the way, of this thing? Mm, 34 30. by now. Yeah. Are you going like, to keep going? How many? What Have you got like a name, like 100 or...? No, I, uh, I think we wanted to work with seasons, but at this point it's just like, let's keep going, let's keep going and do as yeah. many as possible. Because yeah. at the end of the day, the idea is to reflect the work of many interesting, amazing artists as you. So oh, thank you. there are so many in London, in everywhere yeah. in the world. So yeah. why to stop? We don't have to stop. Yeah, you've had a lot of interesting people on here. But, Who but, would be your like, ideal no, person no, no, to you're interview? Not, now we are coming back to my interview. Okay. <laughs> Later, I'll okay. let you interview me. And uh, what would what would we say? So coming back to London was really hard. It mm -hmm. was there's a there's a term for it, reverse culture shock, and it very much was. London had changed quite a lot in those ten years, and um, I uh, but it was always my plan to come back to the UK, exhibit the work. The whole point of making work in Japan about this very different culture was then to bring it back to my my own culture and exhibit it and get a response to it. So that was always my plan, um, and. It kind of worked. I did. I did very well out of it. All, like, all the work sold. You know, I, I I got good prices for it. It was it helped because I got this thing you mentioned at the beginning called the BP Travel Award, and that that, that was in two thousand and twelve. Yeah, was it? Yeah, the, the exhibition was. What in was 2000. the painting that got the, the the prize? The noodle bar painting we were talking about earlier. That that kind of got the prize, but I had an interview and. Um, they gave it to me. So the year after, I exhibited a series of Japan paintings based on that work I made during the, the year between getting it and the exhibition. Um, and that really got, got me a lot of attention, got my Japan work attention. And then that helped with, I had two solo exhibitions after that. And um, so getting that um, award was really a good step, uh, a step back into the London art scene. And then yeah, my plan kind of worked, but the, I think the challenge after that was right. I'm back in the I'm back in the UK now. I've done the whole Japan thing. What am I going to do now? So just exactly the same as when I arrived in Tokyo. Really, I just started making work about things that were around me and kind of based on London. Really, people and places. And let's then talk, please, about the London portraits, which is an amazing project that includes many well-known people in different areas of the culture, very relevant, all of them. There's a comedian, there's a narrator, the novelist, an animator, yeah. a poet, um, yeah. many different interesting artists. Mm. How was the project? You approached them and you asked them mm. uh, if they wanted to see it for mm. you. Yeah. And then they had to choose a special place yeah. for you to put on the background. but. Yeah. Tell me about more, especially about the how came the idea, how did, did you come yeah. with the idea, and how easy was to make it it in terms of production, like getting in contact with these people, mm. getting time from them mm. for them to come to your studio. Mm. I guess was it yeah. in your studio? Where, some where of them? it was in my studio. Some of it I went to them. Yes, I yeah. saw one in. 
TV channel yeah, four, channel four, channel four with John yeah. Snow, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yes, please, I, I yeah. think it's an amb- a very ambitious project. It was. Yeah. So I want to know if it was your idea, yeah, someone's it was, idea. Yeah, I know it's my idea. It's a good question. Thank you. It was quite a logical thing, really. So I'm interested in people and places. Um, I did that in Japan the whole time. You know, narrative pictures of of modern Japan, modern Tokyo combining portraits and places. So I was back in London, right, what am I going to do now? I'm still interested in people and places, so I'm going to do that in London now. And I think you can't really disassociate a place with a person, really. Kind of, your environment partially kind of moulds you and and sculpts you. And um, even just from a narrative point of view, I'm interested in pictures that partially tell a story. As soon as you combine a person and place, you, you automatically have a story there. So... When I came back to London, I wanted to continue my interest in, in narrative painting, putting people in places. But rather than, for example, getting friends to sit for me and, and asking them, um, what's your favourite place in London? I thought maybe an interesting project to write to people who I was interested in um, and ask them that. So I wrote to about 100 people and then 15 people said yes. Um, and then I either went to their homes or, or workplace or they came to my studio and I asked them well, what place in London has personal or professional significance for you. They chose it and it's also interesting being given something. Um, it's, quite a, it's quite a good restriction to have. Because right? I think if you have too much freedom as an artist, possibly you, you can start to repeat yourself. But being forced to paint, for example, St Paul's Cathedral, or, or the, the skate park on the South Bank. Not places I'd normally paint. Baritalia in Soho. Yeah, Baritalia. Um, Jeremy, um, Jeremy Thomas, the, the, the... The dinosaurs for... Uh, yeah, Nick the, Park. Yeah. yeah, Nick Park. So being given places was quite an interesting project. Um, I thought that might be an interesting limitation to put on myself, having been given somewhere rather than me choosing it. Because mm-hmm. I think if, you, if, you have, if you're always choosing, you tend to be attracted to similar things all the time. Totally, yes. Yeah, but it, it, being forced to paint somewhere where like, normally you wouldn't be that interested in, I think is a positive thing. And do you think that those charts where you were painting and they were telling you why those places were interesting or important for them or significant made also a kind of connection that made the portraits easier because you could understand the nature of the face in front of you, not only as uh, uh, lines and, and, right. and features, but as, as someone with interests, with dreams, with memories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you just said, really. Um, as I said earlier, I'm not that. I'm not just interested in the human face. I'm interested in the things that are, are associated with that person. So, for example, a place, or you know, or, or or their history. And part of the reason I'm interested in putting a portrait of someone in a specific place is because um, I think it says more about them than just a head against a, a neutral background for exactly. me, anyway. And if you have, if you were one of your subjects right let's say you've you finished that project london portraits with yourself as mm. self-portrait mm. what would it be this the place what would it be the space you would choose for in you? london or anywhere in anywhere um it's it's, it's a difficult one isn't it you know when you, when you <laughs> ask me is, when you course. ask me i yeah. don't know how these people came with places Where would you it choose? is very difficult because you can you can choose loads of places, can't you? Depending yeah. on on, on what maybe you want. the Victorian Albert. 
Why would you choose that? The the, the lamp that for, uh, is there when you when you enter oh, right. at the entrance yeah. of the museum. You I like don't that. know. I just adore that that space. I love yeah. that place. But you could probably choose another twenty places, right? But you? Me? Yes. I probably would choose somewhere in, in, in Tokyo just because I I have fond memories of it and. Um, yeah, I, I still feel attached to the place and it would be it'd be a nice memory to have if someone was to do a portrait of me and put a Tokyo background in the background. I'd be happy about that. Do you do self-portraits? Not really, no. I, I've done a couple of paintings. I did a nightclub painting in Tokyo called Roppongi Nightclub and I put myself in that, kind of dancing in the background. And um, there's a couple of crowd paintings. I put my head like popping up, uh, but not really, no. Did you paint it, paint your face from a photo or from life? From life, from yeah, life. from life. How, yeah. how do you do that? With a mirror in that With case? With a mirror, how... yeah. I, I really like, pe I really enjoy painting people from photographs. I, I, I much prefer when they're I sitting know, in front I know, I know. Talking about that, the, the, that very also ambitious project you did uh, in London Bridge, which is, the, um, it's huge, the scale of the yeah. painting, or at least that's how it looks. Yeah, from, it is big, from, yeah. 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 And I think that interests me about that painting, about apart from the fact that it's impressive and you did so many people, all of them were painted from life mm. and there are how many faces? 70? I how don't many? know, something like that. A lot of faces. Yeah. But <clears throat> I feel like the, 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 the space is there, beautiful, with mm. what that turquoise water mm. at the back. And all the faces mm. in Grisacia, in Grisacia, yeah. and uh, they aren't connected. They the aren't. They aren't. Right. The, the faces are there, yeah. like floating. Yeah. But they is that how you feel about London? You know what? I think maybe it's a really good point that I, I do feel a little bit disconnected to London a little bit. So. If that's what you're implying, yes, some way, but yeah, implying, not asking. Asking, right? <laughs> I shouldn't be implying anything, but that's how I feel. That's do what feel, I feel when I see that. Do you feel disconnected painting. from London? No, I no. feel when I see that painting. Yeah, well, it's a really interesting point. You know, I think if if we were going to go down that road, um, when I got back from Japan, I did feel really disconnected from from. Just UK society. I mean, when I say I was in Japan for 10 years, like literally, you know, for the whole 10 years, I only spent three months, two or three months outside Japan. So I was very immersed in it. And I got back. Learning, learning, learning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it, you know, it was a big culture shock. So I did feel connect, disconnected from my environment for, for quite a few years, you know, longer than I, I expected, really. I expected, yeah, maybe one or two years I'd feel comfortable. It was quite a few years I felt, I just felt very sort of not really part of what's going on around me. So I wonder if that fed its way into the paintings, actually. It wasn't conscious, though. I didn't say, right, I'm going to make a painting about feeling disconnected from my environment. I know, I guess it's not conscious. No, but lots of things aren't. But I feel, I feel like... It's a um, lot of things are together, but not connected. Right. Well, that's an interesting comment. Yeah. And uh, he, I think it's probably why it's so interesting. Mm. Right. Because somehow it breaks the normal dynamic of things. Right. So you, you have all these faces, but they aren't interacting with each other no. in any way. Right. 
and and same with many other paintings you have done in London, right? Yeah. Well, the same in Japan as well. It's the same thing, really. You know, people, big cities are quite alienating, and mm -hmm. people, you know, generally strangers don't really interact with each other in big cities. So especially big kinda, cities like like Tokyo, Tokyo, and, and like London, London really, yeah, you know, New York, probably. So I think that's the nature of cities. Anyway, that's the way I experience cities. You know, maybe someone else would see cities differently, but um, they're quite they're quite overwhelming, sort of alienating places. And the paintings I make, maybe they're partially about that. They're not about anything really in my paintings. They just are what they are, but. I think your own experiences of life, that's the interesting thing about doing anything creative. I'm sure it's the same with you. Whether you whether you want it or not, your experiences are going to seep its way into your work, right? You know, even like this. Fortunately, yeah. Even this, you're, the fact that you enjoy talking to people, that, you know, that will be somewhere, something to do with your psyche, won't it? You know, it's not something I would choose to do, like interview people. But that's but something. you do it very well, yeah, let but me tell you. Well, thank you, yeah. <laughs> Just to escape from your own. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying the reason for that. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and I also feel like uh, I have been in your classes. Uh, you as a tutor and me as a model. Mm. Um, one of the things I always notice <clears throat> is that you don't paint when you are teaching. Mm. And another thing I couldn't not notice was that when you were painting your subjects in this London portrait project, mm. uh, portraits, you weren't talking with them, they, uh, at, at least not in the moments that we can right. see right. edited in the final ed editing of the video. Right. So I, I, are you someone very super focused that when you are doing something, you prefer to not do another thing? Yeah. Are you not comfortable with doing many things at, at the same time? Or, yeah, or, that's me. Yeah. Uh, like keeping things on yeah. rows. This yeah. here, this here, yeah. this here. Yeah, that's me, yeah. Because well, I, I would like you to draw, paint me at okay. least once, and no, then okay. you never do it. <laughs> well, sorry, I will next next time I do a project, I'll, I'll certainly okay. invite you. And yeah. I, I also would like to talk about your technique to get the right skin color, which is very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I haven't worked with any other art tutor that does that thing you do to do first the whole face in green right to then slowly slowly find the right skin color can can we talk about that yeah well that's called bedaccio and it's a it's a italian technique that comes sort of pre it's pre-renaissance it goes back to medieval times really and that's that's um wow so, yeah it's a, it's, it has a long history it's been done for hundreds of years so the principle is really that red and green are opposite they're complementary colors um, so if you mix if you mix pink colors, for example, and put it on a white surface, talking about light light skinned people here, um, it can look quite artificial, a bit a little bit sort of candy like or, or bubble gummy. But if you if you put it on top of the opposite color, which is green, it somehow calms down or neutralizes the intensity and warmth of pinks. And um, I find it helps because it's so hard mixing skin color and making yeah. it look realistic and making it look good. Anything that helps really. And so it's almost like sculpting at first in green and then tinting the sculpture. You can do it in grise also, in gray. So it, it, 
so you separate it really. You, you create the form first with light and dark, and then you tint the 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 underpainting with your colors. And with regard to the Bedaccio technique, it's um, it it I just think it makes it look a little bit more real than mm -hmm. it than, does. Yeah, it does. Right. And it's interesting because you see a lot of resistance from the students because they can't believe that it's going to happen, but yeah. it, it does happen. Yeah. At the end, you find the right skin color. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it looks more um, verosimil. Uh, there, there's more verosimilar. Yeah. It looks more real. Yeah, I think so. Real. Yeah, there's a kind of like transparency to it, and a kind of it, if you if you find the sweet spot, sweet spot where it really works, it can. Do can, you like teaching art? Uh, it, it's something do you do you do you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. In 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 kind of small doses. I wouldn't. I couldn't be a. I wouldn't want to, and I couldn't be a full time art tutor. You know, I I, I like getting on with my own work, but you mm -hmm. know, wanna. A day a week, it's it's quite it's nice to chat with students that are interested in art and pass on whatever information you may have to help them. Yeah, it can be great. Depends. It all depends on the students, really. What's the more frustrating aspect of teaching for you? Um, the frustrating aspect of teaching. Um, it's a good question. That. Um, have you ever taught anything? No, no, no. I'm just curious because I guess. You need a lot of patience. Yeah, you do need patience. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's 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 constant kind of requirement to be patient. You know, and um, even especially if you're not having a good day and you feel quite impatient, you can't be. You have to be very patient and kind of understanding with the students. So, um, in terms of frustrating, I don't know really. Kind of um, good question. I need to think about that more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is I don't know. I have the feeling that in a, in a conversation ages ago, you told me that your dad was Italian or is Italian? It's a, it's a quite, it's a more complicated, because you are, right? My mom. But, your mom, from but, Naples. But from Naples, yeah. Right. It's a bit more complicated. Because your name doesn't sound very well, I was, Italian. I, no, my birth name is completely Italian. Carlo. Carlo Lombardi, yeah. Oh, yeah. so yeah. tell me about it. <laughs> I thought I thought I came That's here. That sounded Italian. I don't know why. I thought I came here to talk my painting. I, I, no, I'm happy to talk about it. It's a bit more complex than perhaps if yours. If you don't want to talk, we don't. We won't. No, we'll let, we, we can talk about to. it. It's fine. I. So, did you grow up with your um, Italian mum? Yes, yeah. I used the surname of my mum, and my dad was an Italian, so my my surname sounds Italian because I choose to use my mom's surname, right. which is not a very Venezuelan thing. Why did you do that? Because I love how it sounds, mm. I have to be honest, mm. and for aesthetic reasons, mm. and also because my mom was a very f a feminist artist, All right. very committed with... Uh, oh, she was an artist, was she? <clears throat> she was a sculptor. Oh, really? Sculptor. Sculptor, yeah. And uh, then, yes, uh, I know for her it was quite important to... She she used to say, one day you will be someone and you will be the daughter of your dad. Okay. And then I the first time I could choose my surname, mm. because I was signing an article for a magazine, mm. I said, let's use Tofano. And mm. since then, I'm Carla Tofano. But then, mm. that's my story. Okay. That's yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
so the, the the father that brought me up largely, but mainly was was is a, is a English man, and he's he's a, he's my dad. He put in the effort. He's the one that brought us up, gave us our values. But um, the my my birth father is from Italian. from Naples, oh. yeah. And um, I got a DNA test recently. Really, I came out forty one percent Italian, which was wow. interesting. Have you ever done that? No, never. Why did you do that? A, a friend who um, was trying to track down his birth father did it, and he was. He kept encouraging me, a painter friend called Stuart, um, and he um, he keeps saying you should sign up with this, sign up with this. You know, you may find out information. You look Italian. Well, that's because I'm forty one percent, I guess. So they got divorced when I was very young, so I haven't really met the guy. Well, I have, but I was just mm. too young. And yeah, my birth name was completely Italian, and. It would be very interesting, uh, I mean, in this market, to be Carlo Lombardi. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, from a, from a marketing point of view, Maybe. I have thought... There's, there's, a, there's a Scottish painter called Jack, Jack Vetriano, and um, he wasn't selling any work at all. And then he changed his name to his grandfather's name, which is Vetriano, and he started selling all of a sudden. And now he, now he sells for millions. So, so maybe in the future we, we start seeing yeah. you as Carlo Lombardi. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. Possibly. But I just found out, you know, my loyalties with my my the, the, the my father who brought me up. So my loyalties completely with him. Yeah, but he's like him. my Tofano. Yeah, yeah, he's my mom. He's with my, my dad. Feminist mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's my dad. There's no questions around that. But at the same time, half of my genes come from somewhere else, and it does affect you whether you whether you wanted to or not, and your appearance, and you know. So, and I through this process of of, of the DNA thing, I actually found out recently. I'm very dis I'm distantly we don't know exactly how yet. It may be quite a close relative. I'm related to this painter called um Joseph M. Lombardi and he was a portrait painter from Naples and he got a scholarship to the US and he painted people like um Roosevelt, the president. Wow, this yeah, is super so yeah, interesting. I know, it's interesting. He's got paintings in like major museums in the US. Um so I didn't think I had any artists in the family, but I'm really... You know, uh, Naples have a very a huge reputation for being a very artistic city. Yeah. In all senses. Yeah, I mean, uh, Caravaggio. Music, arty, yeah. Um, actresses, actors, many very prolific artists from Italy come yeah. from Naples. Right, so it's quite a creative so it, place. it's good. It's yeah. good, it's good. Yeah, so that's my story. Thank you for asking about that. And... Uh, to finish, because we are getting to the end of this conversation, how did the lockdown change your process of of making art? Of making art. Um, I couldn't work with models. I couldn't get them into the studio, so I had to work more from photography. And during the first lockdown, in April, I did like a quite a strange painting of a kind of riot scene of, of like an imaginative composition with people fighting Star Wars um, kind of machines. So that was all from photography that I found on the internet. So I think the, the way it changed, changed my process, because I was denied access to real people to paint them, and because every, like everyone else, I was just locked yeah. in my studio, the source reference material, I had to find it from the internet, basically. So that one painting, I, I can pinpoint that one with regard to change in process, because it was wasn't done with any of my own reference material, which is unusual because I usually take my own photographs and and paint people that I meet. Um, so yeah. But and from an emotional place, how did did you feel uh, during all this process? Did you feel creative? Did you feel stuck? 
the how was it? Yeah, I think during the first lockdown, I I apart it did obviously affect everyone emotionally, right? And I didn't feel as good as I normally do. Um, I don't think it affected my work that much, and I was still kept productive. And as a painter, anyway, it's not like you work in an office. You your your lifestyle doesn't change that much as a painter in lockdown, apart from not being able to meet friends and things. But um. So it didn't, but this second lockdown, I feel mm. a lot less productive and a lot less motivated, which isn't good. I'm, I'm happy. Well, fingers crossed, it's going to be the last lockdown. So yeah, because it's also the accumulation. Yeah, of, uh, becomes exhausting, right? Yeah, you know, and it's, yeah. it hasn't it had a novelty novelty aspect to it the first lockdown, but this one's just. It's just like okay, yeah. too much, too yeah. long. What too about long. you? Do you, you know? Yeah, I feel very productive, and mm. I, I'm very happy. I feel like it's a gift all the time. I have had right but i also feel like the second lockdown has a, a little bit more anxious or yeah. a little bit more oppressed the yeah. feeling of not being able to really do yeah. whatever you would like to do yeah but hopefully it's it's all for the for the better i yeah. mean we we are growing in many ways i feel like it's been from mm. a from an emotional even spiritual point of view it's been good for that, me, it's been good. Oh, yeah. good, good, good. Not for you? I think it's been good and bad, both. A mixture. Neither one nor the other. Really. Do you live alone? Yeah. Because that, that yeah. maybe is a little bit too tough. Yeah, it's pretty tough, but... But I, not for a monk. <laughs> <laughs> I think not for a monk. No, no, I think on that note, that's probably... Um, yeah, true, yeah. Good thing. I don't think it was... I don't... I've had it a lot easier than some people, I think. You know, I've got nothing to complain about. But yeah. I, I wouldn't want to keep doing this every year, you know. I know I meet some people and they kind of enjoy lockdown. I don't think that's me. But, you know, I've gotten through it and... I um, did. I, I have to be did honest. You? I really? am enjoying it. And in few years, where do you see your art? Um, where do you see yourself? Where, like, physically or, or physically with my art? Physically or... or, or in terms of style or yeah take the question wherever you want right um it's very difficult to say isn't it just i just hope i keep 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 on working and keep having the opportunity to work and keep selling and keep making a living from it really that's all i hope in terms of style i don't think you can kind of predict where mm. your work's going it's probably the same with you right and then this sort of interviewing thing you don't know where it'll take you maybe in five years you'll have like a your own tv show or something you never know Hopefully, yeah. please, yeah. that would be great. Carlo, Carlo Lombardi, okay. thank you so much. All it right. was a huge pleasure. I really, really enjoyed this journey through your art. I hope you enjoy it as well and see you soon.